you can easily get lost for hours browsing videos of memes or following your favorite creators on YouTube. Sometimes the algorithm graces you with new creators who put tremendous time and passion into their work. Dennis, who goes by Lamhoot online, is one of those creators, deconstructing the media he consumes to understand better the content within their mediums and how they reflect the world around us. Hi, I'm Dennis. Uh, online, I go by Lamhoot. Uh, I'm a video essayist. Uh, basically, what that means is I make pseudo-documentary style content on things that are interesting, except um, they're biased. I mean, they're more like, I guess, like video editorials in a way. But uh, yeah, that's the sort of stuff I do uh, and I have a lot of fun doing it. Mostly tech-related, but uh, I like covering um, gaming-related topics in ways that people don't often. So uh, kind of embedding a little bit of ethics, a little, embedding a little bit of uh, my background in like software development and, and that sort of stuff and kind of uh, applying those principles to uh, entertainment. Well, when I came across your video on TikTok, I was just so impressed with it. It, it just clicked with me right away. I was like, huh, that's an interesting thought that I had never had in terms of looking at the game Hades from that perspective. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. So uh, a YouTuber, what, what sort of inspired you to decide to go put yourself out there and start sharing your your opinions on topics that interest you? Like, I, I guess like I'm kind of from that generation of like every kid had like a YouTube channel back in the day. We all made like goofy uh, videos. Like, Same yeah, here. exactly. <laughs> like lip sync. Like I started with like lip sync videos to like weird like songs and things like that. So like old school, just like, what can you do with like the basic amount of editing with like Microsoft Movie Maker, you have one audio track, like how much can, <laughs> how much damage can you do sort of stuff. Um, but uh, it kind of evolved, I think, as I, as I kind of got a little bit older, started going to school and, uh, and thought that it would be interesting to kind of, the, the thing about like these days on YouTube, there's a lot of like gaming related content, but I didn't see anything that kind of took itself a little bit more seriously in the way that I wanted to. Um, there are people, you know, like making goofy reviews and like getting angry and like, you know, joking about like punching the game or like being haunted by the game, like the very like character, like in character reviews of video games. But I, I kind of, I, I like to think of games as like socio-technical systems where they're, they're a piece of technology that like functions and people have to build them, but also they have social impacts. Um, and just like any other piece of art, like there are also artists working on them and there are people who will consume them and interpret them different ways and feel differently about them. Um, and I felt like not every, I mean, obviously these days, tons of people are making like video video essays in like the same vein, but um, at the time, nobody really was. So I thought it was, it was really interesting to kind of get into. When I was listening through at least that why I haven't played Hades video, it reminded me a lot of the process and time and the effort that goes into thinking about it. Like H Bomber guy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're yeah. uh, familiar with yeah. him, but it's so impressive to see individuals critique and break apart the con uh, the content and media that we're consuming. People just kind of like soak it up and they don't think about it, process it, kind of figure out those flavors of it. And I, I think it's a fun opportunity too, especially if you have like a personal connection to it. Like I, I love videos where someone has like a real deep personal connection to either the, the content of, of the media that they're anal uh, analyzing or um, even just like, you know, someone who's like incredibly familiar with it and just kind of like has that tacit knowledge that I don't have about it. 
Like I love to just be educated on something uh, like something that I may have played or experienced from an angle that I just did not expect because I either didn't think about it that way or I just don't have the personal experiences to to consider it that way. When you start hearing people break it apart and hearing their opinions, it makes you want to think about it more as well as like, okay, what are the things I'm looking at? I'm, I'm currently uh, going through the process of transitioning to maybe more film-related content. My 10-year plan is mm -hmm. hopefully be a, uh, like a director or something in the next yeah. 10 years. So now when I'm looking at television and movies, I'm thinking about it from behind the camera now instead of just, hey, I'm just enjoying this content. So, I mean, part of it is a struggle because you're like, I can't turn my brain <laughs> off <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah, just overanalyzing everything. With your content, is there kind of new other topics or things that you want to kind of tackle or take on specific to so the one that i the, the the hades video that we're referencing kind of so that one um there are a couple of there so that one i kind of always envisioned as like a two-part sort of thing uh part one was kind of like the basic idea of hades and part two was kind of going to delve into like different games and and uh it was also going to have more of a local twist about like things i've noticed specifically obviously living in montreal there's a lot of media and, and game studios and things here. And so I've noticed certain trends in the games that are made here versus games that are made elsewhere that I thought was really interesting and um, would seem almost like counterintuitive if you think about like, you know, the, the perspective outsiders <laughs> tend to have of Quebec. It's like, it was very, it was kind of like this question of like, you know, why is, is Quebec this place that like, you know, is very typically very xenophobic making like Assassin's Creed game where you're playing in like Baghdad as like a person from who would have lived in Baghdad in, you know, whatever year that is, or why are they the ones making the game about ancient Rome or ancient Egypt? It's like, it's, it was like this really weird thing of like, of all places, why Quebec? And so I kind of wanted to split up like the context building of that argument into a part one and then uh, continue in a part two. But <laughs> Yeah, that's that's basically where I'm thinking of going. Well, I mean, they take a long time to make these sorts of videos. Like you're writing and rewriting and going through scripts yep. over and over and over again. Like the journey of a creative is now <laughs> is never over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So coming to this, why I haven't played Hades video, I heavily enjoyed it and listening through. I'm like, oh yeah, these are perspectives and things that I've never thought about, never thought to critique. Because for me and my friends, it was just a fun game that we played during the pandemic. You know, got a couple hours out, you do a couple of runs, the art style is great, and you're like, wow, this is this is such a good game. And then you hear about someone of, you know, Greek background talking about it, you're like, oh yeah, huh. That's an interesting thought. So for those who haven't seen the video, can you give us a short little synopsis of what you kind of cover in it? The video is basically, and like obviously the, the title is very clickbaity and everything, but uh, the, the main point of the video is, is to try to capture this feeling that like I know myself and many other people I know of, of Greek descent have kind of felt like whenever some sort of Greek mythology related piece of media comes out and we all see it and we all kind of just yawn at it and go like, what's the, like, why are we, why are we beating this dead horse? Like, why hasn't like Western media moved on from this? And it was about trying to capture that through the lens of, you know, uh, the popular game of the month, which was Hades when I started writing the video like two years ago, <laughs> but uh, uh, trying to like, you know, express this, this very like real sentiment that I know I've had and so have others that 
Um, we wish that if, you know, if media producers want to keep revisiting this world, it would be nice to actually see real genuine representation here for as much as we have to, you know, trudge back through the, you know, the depths of Hades. Um, and also uh, there was a little bit of a, there was a little bit of a, again, like a local twist of like, not just, you know, um, kind of like this quest to like seek Greek representation in Greek mythology related media, but also specifically as someone of Greek descent in uh, Quebec, where obviously the political and social climate has kind of changed the way people of different ethnicities tend to um, engage with their identities. Um, and so that was kind of the point of it. And then, it, you know, it, it took me two hours to get to the point. But uh, yeah, it was a fun time. It was a fun project. When something's worth being said, sometimes it just takes a long time to it say just, it. Yeah, you just keep going on and on. Yeah, yeah. How did you approach this topic? So you're mentioning that it took you about two years kind of working on it. What was your like mindset going in and, and then kind of you write the script, you start reco the recording process, and then you're going in editing what was that process like so i mean it was, it was very very like obviously very like research oriented very like i kind of know where i want to take this video and um and I, you know kind of like structuring out as far as like bullet points of like i want to get you know i want to touch this point i want to touch this point i want to touch this point and then trying to um string together a narrative through them um which isn't always easy but um kind of like using you know different sources and different research to kind of like string that narrative is, a, is an exercise in and of itself the basic uh like development structure of a video like that basically looks like writing out basic uh, a basic like um template or like a rubric for what i want to do uh finding sources that i can use to back up certain points i want to make and then trying to tell an interesting story through it which um i think is fun which I, I in my case i also i also want to talk a little bit about the quebec stuff so that's kind of why i started with like you know referendum bit. I think this is really engaging. People don't really know about this history. And then kind of trying to tie that to the actual topic of like, what does this have to do with this game? For for Canadians, yeah. Quebec yeah. kind of has this reputation mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh, about it. You hear a lot of stories uh, from there, a lot of kind of conflict between mm -hmm. the peoples and the government of like, uh, regulations around people being able to wear uh, the hijab or like mm -hmm. the French language regulations for individuals who are coming in. And you touched on it perfectly in your video, Greek immigrants struggling to not only learn English, but trying to get French as well. Yeah, it's like, it's this really tough, like, try, like the, the classic immigrant story is like the immigrant who moves to the United States, they go to New York, and then they have difficulty learning the language and whatever. In Quebec, you you get hit by it twice because you you have to learn English and French, and then depending on which of those languages you learn first, you'll then get judged by the other. So like basically, like the Anglo's and the Francos are mad at you because you don't speak either. And then depending on which one you learn first, suddenly you've assimilated into that group and you gain the hate of the other group like twice. <laughs> it's this very interesting like immigrant experience of like joining and assimilating into the culture, but in a place where there's already this like dichotomy of cultures of like Anglo and Franco and you kind of have to pick a side or, you know, I mean, cause it's hard to learn two languages at once. So you have to, you have to pick a side by, by nature of like, it's, you're learning something brand new. So yeah, I, I think that's really, uh, it's an interesting struggle that I, I feel like there's not many other places that have this sort of like bilingualism like we do here. And so it's not like, it's not a struggle that you hear about often. And like in other parts of Canada, it's really like the, the French aspect isn't really pushed that hard like i took a couple french classes in elementary and high school then they're like ah it's good enough 
So at least my French knowledge is you can look at a menu and you're like, okay, all right, yeah. I, I get, okay, that's chicken. <laughs> okay, let's look at the context. I think those are the sides. We'll, we'll never know. But yeah, for, for immigrants coming in, and you were mentioning there like some of the, the discrimination that uh, mm-hmm. Greek immigrants faced. What was it in the uh, Le Grexo Quebec? I'm butchering that. But from 1921, uh, about 2,000 Greeks and like 150 oh, yeah, yeah. restaurants. That's that's another thing I wanted to touch on too. Is like there's that trope, and it, and obviously it's not just in Quebec, but it's all over the place. Where like, oh, you're Greek, your family must be in the restaurant business, and it's like, well, that's not wrong, but it's not. It's also not. There's a like, lot of context. Yeah, there's a lot. Like, there's a reason for. It's not just like it's not a stereotype for no reason. Like, it's yes, it's is is it accurate? Yes. Like, do I have people in my family in the restaurant business? Yes. Would they rather have not been in the restaurant business? Would they rather have you know gone on to higher education? Would they rather have, uh, you know, not had to work in mines building rail carts? Would they rather have like done other things? Absolutely, but they did what they could and their their easiest avenue to like success or like almost like I guess I would say like comfort was often restaurants because there just happened to be a strong presence of Greeks in the restaurant industry already and so it was easier to get a job in the restaurant industry or whether you, you know you're actually working in a restaurant or like you're tangential to it um, it was easier to do that than anything else so like yeah the stereotype exists but there's like a you know there's like a kind of like a darker history behind it that I wish people understood so that yeah it was a. Uh, it was fun to kind of like bring those sorts of things to light in the video, uh, in a video that's like otherwise about a video game that people wouldn't have taken seriously. I think it's important to have these conversations and looking at why do these things happen. It's not just because oh I'm X, so I'm automatically attracted to mm-hmm. this. But it's, no, there's systems in place, and yep. sometimes you're forced into a box that you can't get out of because of just everything's out to get you. My family, for instance, my grandfather um, was like connected to the restaurant industry, didn't own restaurants, but he worked um, in like kitchen kitchen equipment manufacturing because when he came here, he was basically imported to Canada as cheap labor to work on like in railways, like welding. And one of the only transferable skills he learned was how to weld. And that was something he could apply to the restaurant industry. And the only people, because he only spoke Greek, the only people who could sell to were Greeks who tended to be restaurant owners. So it only made sense for him to like, you know, he knows how to work with metal. He knows how to speak Greek. He's going to make restaurant equipment. So it's like, it's this thing of like, it's, it's exactly, it's like, it's the box he filled into. And then he figured out how to break out of it, but he couldn't, you know, he couldn't break out incredibly like far, like diagonally go into, you know, he couldn't have just randomly gone to university or something. He had to find something within his domain of, of things he was familiar with. When we're looking around about kind of the regulations and the, the systems in place in Quebec, in terms of immigrants and other diasporas, what do you think, at least in your opinion, what are some ways that you feel it could be changed to better include and support people coming in because here in Canada we're built on immigrants that's that's kind of the whole point of the country that we have this mosaic of cultures and individuals and you know together we can create something that is uniquely Canadian and by just putting up a wall to say nope you have to do it this way we're really kind of shooting ourselves in the foot it's tough to see. And I think like, you know, you touched on before, like the the religious symbols bands and things like that, that are, you know, very clearly targeted at certain religious groups that have, you know, like 
overt symbols of their religion that they wear um, on their bodies um, and tend not to focus on ones that like have like more, you know, subdued or, or I, don't, I don't know what the right word is, but like conceal, like they're not going after the person who's wearing a crucifix under their shirt, you know? So the fact that like these, these regulations affect these people, the way that affects new immigrants who come in who maybe have children who go to school is that they don't have role models in places of like public, like they, the fact that like suddenly Muslim women have to make a choice between wearing a hijab or being a school teacher means that like the Muslim girl whose mother may be at home wears a hijab can't see like a, a role model or like anyone in her public life who like as an adult and also wears a hijab and like has a job and like does something is really, really scary. Um, <laughs> there's, it's, it's, it's a really tough political climate to, to navigate. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, the, the thing is, it's like, it's tough. Cause like, I guess nobody really knows what the solution to it is. Um, obviously it's, to, you know, don't target minorities with, with like terrible <laughs> laws but at the same time like there there's like that weird well because like the whole thing is it's always under like the veil of secularism which like most of the time is like yes that's a great thing but like to a limit obviously like you people deserve their basic human rights and if you practice some religion that you want to be able to practice you should be able to continue doing that and not have to like sacrifice your career that's like a no-brainer but I guess we haven't figured that out yet yeah, that's I. That's just this. You feel like we've made progress when you look at the books. You're like, oh yeah, but then you actually look at it, like the timeline. You're like, oh yeah, things yeah. haven't like in the United States. The civil rights movement was not that long ago. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, maybe we have. And and it comes to any topic like yeah, uh, misogyny, a- ableism. It's like, hey, it's 2022. Maybe we've, re- and then you look online and you hear people yep. talk. You're like, oh, wait, never mind. Guess, yeah, yeah. Guess we're not that far ahead as we thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's sad how things regress like that. What you're talking about, I think it's a perfect segue to talk about representation uh, mm-hmm. in games and media in general. Uh, in terms of Greek representation, it is very poorly handled. I remember watching like. Uh, clash of titans and like you have the segment in there with liam neeson barely or yeah yeah, like barely quotation marks covering his accent yeah and it's just a bunch of like white british guys and it just even at the time i thought it felt weird yeah definitely there's this thing of like the they call it like the queen's the queen's greek or the queen's italian or the queen's roman or whatever trope of like for whatever reason, when these like characters of immense power are supposed to be represented in media, um, often they're they're depicted with like these British accents, right, to make them sound like regal or royal or like you know fancy in some way. And it's the the sad like realization if you're someone like of that culture is like what like what's like I know people who are Greek who barely speak English or French and speak you know what they can with like a terribly strong Greek accent who are respectable. Like their accent has nothing to do with how you know how how much I can look up to them or whatever, um, and so it's this weird and and it's also like the, um, the just like the the how regular it is that this occurs that like how regular that like there are more depictions of Zeus with a Greek accent or with an, a British accent than anything else means that whenever someone does try to make an effort to positively represent the, or like accurately represent these people, people think that it's weird. So like one of the things that uh, I'm working on for the next part of this video is. Um, about Ubisoft games where they tend to like whenever they depict anyone which they tend to depict a lot of different people just by nature of their games being like basically like giant interactive history books 
is they always hire people of those ethnicities to perform the the basically to play the characters. Um, and so because they've been to Greece a couple of times, they've they've had Greek actors play the characters. And the public reception to it is always like, why do these guys sound so weird? What's wrong with these people? And it's so weird to see that because to me, that's like, oh my God, this guy sounds like my cousin. This guy sounds like my uncle. This guy sounds like my grandfather something like that. And then it's like the regular gamers are like, why do these guys sound so weird? Or um, was it I think, was it Russell Crowe who played Zeus, I think, in the new Thor movie or something? I haven't watched a Marvel movie in a long time, but yeah, but he did that. And then I saw people online being like, why is this guy doing like a bad Italian accent and being like, no, you no, you guys don't get it. It's actually really cool. It's actually great. Oh, my God. It's like, I don't know. It's 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 an unfortunate like spot to be in because it's like it's whenever people do more than the bare minimum and they actually try to represent the ethnicity and the way it looks and the way it sounds accurately because most western audiences aren't used to that they think like something's wrong or something's broken or the actors are doing a bad job or something like that and so i guess it kind of like it it reinforces to these studios that actually do try that maybe it wasn't even worth the effort in the first place it just shows how much everything is whitewashed like completely and then you try so hard, at least for myself, I really appreciated the efforts that w they put in, like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Like, hearing them, um, oh no, I'm blanking on the name of the main <laughs> character right now. It's oh, been, I don't even... <laughs> it's been so long, but, like, yeah. just, like, Malacca. Like, it's... Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing, it's, like, that... It's silly, but like that is representation. That is like the most common word you will hear in in any Greek household. And the fact that like you hear it there is incredible. Or like even in even before they went to Greece, when they went to uh, when they did Assassin's Creed three or four, whichever one took place in the, the second time they basically went to Istanbul, is they fight a bunch of like Byzantine guards who are all Greek guys. And like one of the first lines in the game is like your Ezio like stabbing a guy in the back of the throat and throwing him over a cliff and he goes, oh, Malaka. And it's like, oh, that's so great. Oh my God. Well, which is why we need to have more of this. Just continue to normalize it because it's so fun to learn about other cultures that are just not like, hey, this is just Europe with a diff or like the UK with a different kind of paintbrush put over it. It, I'm really big into deep Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm so sick of every campaign setting being based in some generic kind of European country. It's like, give me something unique. Get some other writers in the room. Get some interesting things. Because there's there was a game that came out a couple of years ago that is set like the I mean the mechanics of it were eh, but the story touched on like Hindi mythology and history and it was just so interesting and vibrant in terms of like the design and art direction that I couldn't help be like interested when I saw the trailer. Yeah and I can only imagine that like obviously creators who because obviously creators like consume content like this like I can only imagine anytime you know a game like that goes and like represents like Hindu culture in a way that it's never been represented in games before or like you know even you know Ubisoft they keep using I keep using them as like a crutch but like whenever like a massive studio like Ubisoft pours millions of dollars into representing like the 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 cityscape of like Istanbul and like hearing people like speaking Arabic or speaking Turkish or speaking like all these strange languages and being like 
wow, like really capturing what it felt like to be in like this place of incredible Middle Eastern European diversity. Uh, it must like inspire people of those descents who like consume that content to be like, oh my God, like maybe my background that normally isn't depicted in media is worth representing in some piece of art that I'm working on, some game, some film, some, you know, whatever they're working on. Seeing someone who looks like you and sounds like you in media is just so important mm -hmm. for people that look like me. It's basically been every character for so long. <laughs> and what, so whenever they release like new characters, like Marvel is bringing in like new characters, like Kamala Khan now in like mm -hmm. uh, stage, um, the fourth act or whatever, whatever yeah. they call it. But <laughs> it is so cool to see these new characters come in. And for that show, although it had some of its faults with the writing and just mm -hmm. how Marvel movies are made, seeing a Pakistani family just kind of live and see that slice of life is yeah. so interesting. Yeah. But of course, the audience gets mad, but... Yeah. The saying is something like uh, equality to those with the power feels like oppression. It's it's strange that people get so up in arms just for like, I, I really don't get that whole like that forced diversity angle that so many people think that like is happening in media. It's just like, well, no, it's just that, you know, after generations and generations of like, you know, immigrants who didn't really have the same opportunities, like there are more diverse creators who are making things and obviously they want to represent themselves or people who may not be of that descent know that they have diverse fan bases who they want to cater to and there's like nothing wrong with that that's like that's a totally normal thing to do and a normal person should be able to see a show even if it's someone of a different culture isn't the same gender mm -hmm. as you as a human being you should be able to connect with them <laughs> we're not that different mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I, when, when I go somewhere and I see people hanging out and, and talking and I don't understand the uh, the language, their body language and the way they're interacting with each other, mm -hmm. it's like, that's just how I hang out with my friends. That's how I interact with my family. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, we're, we're much, we're way more similar than we are different at the end of the day. Yeah, no, that doesn't happen so much here. <laughs> if you speak anything other than French, you'll get called out. You, you talked a little thing about diversity versus authenticity. How, how do you think we can approach that better in terms of media, at least within uh, Greek representation? Obviously, like in in cases like um, like Hades, I think the issue, so obviously like representation where it matters is really, really important. Or representation that I feel like is deeper rather than broad is really, really important. And so that was that was one of the things I brought up in the Hades video too, because um, obviously, like it's it's kind of like a thing that I'm used to. Like I mentioned before, like as a Greek person, just like seeing us go back to stories about Hercules and Zeus and all these like you know superhero esque gods who are kind of like incredibly whitewashed, even though uh, Greece is closer to the Middle East than the rest of Europe. Uh, but it it particularly stung with Hades because they were so open about their commitment to diversity, and so on top of like like seeing not a single Greek looking person, which by the way, also meant like not a single vaguely Middle Eastern looking person in the entire game was really, really sad when they were so committed, like when they were so like open to, you know, being committed to, diver to diversity. Um, and so I think the issue is like, it's it's important to 
show audiences people who look like them it matters a lot to them but i think that that representation can be um a lot better i don't know i guess like implemented if it's deep if it actually matters like i think the example i gave in the which is like a silly well i mean not so silly but the example i, I kind of like hung up on uh in the video a lot was that was dionysius who i have a personal connection to having literally been named after him um who in the game was represented as south asian but whose South Asian representation didn't really go much deeper than literally his skin color. Um, for example, his actor, the, the, the performer who performed the, the voice of the character was a white guy putting on a British accent. So it's like, it kind of goes nowhere deeper than his color scheme, which as most artists know, like technically, like it tends to be that like there are various iterations and color swaps of a character before they land on one. Um, and then there was also the fact that of all the gods they decided to be South Asian, it was maybe the one god who probably shouldn't have been, given that like in his mythos he has like kind of a dark history with with South with uh, South Asia, and so it was kind of like so. I think the the like that line between authenticity and representation, I think doesn't matter as much when if you're sacrificing authenticity, which I think is completely fine, but if you're sacrificing it for representation, it should be representation that actually matters, that has impact. If you want to change the ethnicity of somebody for your game, for example, Dionysius, that's great. But unless you're actually hiring a South Asian person to perform and like someone actually of that descent gets paid for it, I don't know if you deserve the brownie points that you get from audiences who just kind of look at that and go, wow, that's great. You know, it's like, it's... It, it, <sighs> I, I think it's you have very to like, surface level. It's very surface level and it it's very surface level for how much praise it received, I think. Um, and so I think that's what Matt, yeah, I think like the, the headline here is basically like authenticity doesn't matter as much as representation does, but representation should have actual real tangible impact and shouldn't just be, you know, a color swap. Delve into these characters, do something unique about it like how I, i'm a member of the the queer community so like feeling like queer representation in films is great but when it's just kind of this well of course you want to get to a point where it's just kind of like yeah it's cool like there's just queer people in films but when they're like they make a big point out of it in the movie but they don't go into you know what that means you know the struggles the person might have faced it it just feels hollow. Diverse representation, like, should, if if you're passing it off as, like, you're actually putting a big effort, it should be the point. It shouldn't just be, like, a, a, like a given or, like, a granted. Like, if, if you're really dedicated to exploring it, it should be worth a little bit more attention than, yeah, just, like, surface level kind of skimming it and being like, hey, look, someone who looks different than the rest of the characters you're used to, give us money. You know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be like that. Well, Thor Love and Thunder, they kept promoting it as, like, this is the biggest, gayest uh, Marvel movie. And then it's just, like, you know, they just joke about, like, oh, Korg just has a, a guy named The Rock that he's dating at the end. And just Valkyrie likes women. It's mm -hmm. like, do more. You, you, you can't do this. <laughs> yeah, you can't pass it off as, like, such a big victory if you didn't actually deliver that much. Well, Dennis, 
absolute pleasure talking with you. I can't wait to see more of your content. Where can people go to watch some of your videos? Yeah, so they can go to, well, I mean, you found the TikTok, but really, <laughs> really most of the full, the, the, the full feature length stuff is on uh, YouTube at the, my YouTube channel called Lamb Hoot. Have any stories you'd like us to share or communities we should highlight? Leave a comment on our social media or reach out to us on our website. I'm Ryan Funk. This was You Talk. And have yourself a good one.